Good morning. My uh, name is Petra Anderson, and uh, I have the privilege to bring a message to you on the ancient word of peace. And how appropriate does that feel? After our community's prayers for peace in Israel and Gaza, an ongoing prayer for peace in Israel and Gaza, the news headlines full of atrocities in not only Gaza, but also the Ukraine, not to speak of all the other wars and violent acts that are raging in this world and that do not make the daily headlines. So what an appropriate time to bring this message on this ancient word, shalom, peace. This word is prevalent in scripture, as we will see, an essential to understanding God's plan of restoration of shalom. Peace and the hope we have because of that in the midst of the darkness that we experience in this world and even in our own hearts. I was struck by one story in the midst of all the dark news from the conflict in Gaza. In the midst of all the dark headlines around the war, the story of an 85-year-old grandma, peace activist Yochaved Lifshitz, made the headlines at her release after having been held in hostage by Hamas soldiers for 16 days. While in her own words, it was an experience she likened to going through hell. In a short video, she is seen in the middle of the darkness of the night to be received by representatives of the Red Cross, walking away from her captors, only to all of a sudden turn and grab one of her captors' hands, uttering one word, Shalom, peace. While shalom is a very common greeting of farewell used in Hebrew, this was recognized as a powerful gesture that captured the world's attention even. True to the meaning of her name, Yochaved, which I found out in Hebrew means God's glory and her lifelong calling to be a peace activist, peacemaker, I would rather say. God's shalom glory, God's shalom presence was shining through in this dark night and even darker circumstances. A glimmer of hope that shalom, peace, is possible when apparent enemies connect. So making peace with God, with ourselves, with each other, and creation is more needed than ever in a world that seems to revolve around money and power rather than God. A world that encourages us to compete and to compare, to dominate and win. All this creates division and leads either to shame 
or pride, to inferiority or superiority. And it leads to a greater gap between the rich and the poor, the oppressor and the oppressed. No wonder then that our world is reeling from a mental health crisis in the midst of this brokenness because we were not made for competition, disunity, but we were originally created to enjoy shalom, peace, where people can live united in spite of differences, and most of all, in union with God and his creation. Of course, when we ask most people about peace, they would say, yes, I want it. I actually crave it. But looking at our own hearts, looking at my heart, when we are honest, it is often peace on our terms. Peace that struggles to reconcile all parties involved. However, that is the kind of peace, shalom, God desires and intended for this world before sin entered. So let's have a closer look at this ancient word, shalom, which in Greek is often translated as Irene. However, that does not capture all that shalom actually means. Peace, shalom, in Hebrew appears more than 250 times in the Old Testament. And peace, Irene, in Greek, appears more than 400 times in the New Testament. And it's either translated as peace in English or another appropriate English translation like safety, silence, quiet rest, still. And these translations of the word Irene reflect the fact that words like shakat, quietness, noach, rest, shalem, completion, are also words in the semantic domain of shalom that help us to see that shalom is not just referring to the ending of wars and fighting, but that its meaning is larger than that. Shalom is a powerful word and denotes completeness, health, prosperity, soundness, and overall well-being. And in its root meaning, it describes a state of wholeness, unity, restored relationship. And not just a sense of tranquility, what we sometimes envision when in our busy world we ask for peace and quiet. Shalom can happen even in the midst of pain, suffering, grief, and darkness. And even when things are not going our way. <clears throat> As we will see, shalom happens when we draw closer to God, which would not come as a surprise. As in Gideon's words in Judges chapter 6, 
he says, the Lord is peace. It starts with, but the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. And so Gideon's response is to build an altar to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. Yahweh is peace. And then in Isaiah 9, 6, Jesus is announced as the Prince of Peace. It's a well-known passage and we will come across it in the Advent and the Christmas season. But what this tells us is when we draw closer to Yahweh, when we draw closer to Jesus, we draw closer to Shalom. God is at the root of his character peace-loving, peace-seeking, peace-making, because he is peace. And we need not to be afraid in his presence, but we are to be in awe of him wanting to be present with us in our brokenness. Let's go back to the beginning. Shalom points back to the Garden of Eden before the fall, where Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of day, perfect climate, relationally and physically, where Adam and Eve knew neither shame nor death, perfect eternal relationship with God, each other themselves and creation, and where work and rest were equally good and equally enjoyed the picture of a wholesome life, a shalom life. Now, shalom also points forward to the new Jerusalem, beautifully described in John's vision in the book of Revelations, chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. So the Garden of Eden, now restored in the form of a city. Isaiah also captures the outcome of this redemptive restorative work towards Shalom in a passage referring to the messianic age. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put its, its hand into the viper's nest. They will, be neither harm nor de- they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This point we are getting the sense that between 
the shalom of Eden and the shalom of the new Jerusalem, there is a restoration process with Jesus as the leading figure. Isaiah 43 points to the reality that there's not only a process of restoration of shalom, but that shalom somehow can already be experienced in the midst of wilderness and dry times, in the midst of chaos and darkness. Isaiah says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. But we have to have eyes to see. Maybe we have to develop eyes to see. And so, I want to say shalom is experienced now if we have eyes to see, spiritual eyes. Eyes to see the way in the wilderness that we find ourselves in. The streams in the wasteland when we are in a dry time. And that shalom can be experienced when spoken as a farewell to an enemy. Isaiah 30 reminds us, as a matter of fact, God himself reminds us of another important dynamic that helps us to experience shalom in the midst of chaos. God says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. These are God's words to his people Israel, who were looking to all kinds of places, people, and means for help to make things go their way, assuming that's where peace might be found, rather than looking to God, participating in his plans for redemption and salvation, his way to restore shalom. So shalom is experienced now if we seek the presence of the Lord of peace, of the God who is shalom. And that looks like we turn back to him, rest in him, trust in him, and at least for a moment, quieten our busy thoughts around how we can restore peace in our own strength, in our own way, in our own wisdom, but not God's. Because if we do that, we often find that this leads to more violence, to more suffering and relational ruptures. We need to turn to God. In Tiffany Clark's words, she's an alumni of Renovari, an organization for spiritual formation. In her words, as she has spent years in communities that were ravaged by war, poverty, oppression, and abuse, so no stranger to the darkness of this world. She says, if we don't turn to God, it leads to an overexposure to the traumas in this world. 
and an underexposure to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. And so at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus speaks Isaiah's prophecy over himself and proclaims, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus, as we know, is not only saying that, but he was doing that when he walked the earth and is inviting us to do the same. To do the same in this broken world, but do it under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Doing it as we are walking closely with Jesus. So then shalom is experienced now when we join Jesus if we allow Jesus to show us how to participate in the restoration of shalom, not to get our way, not to get the upper hand, but to restore shalom. And we do that in proclaiming good news to the poor, ministering to prisoners and refugees, serve people with disabilities, serve people in difficult circumstances, set the oppressed free, and as we hear in the corresponding passage in Isaiah 61, as we join Jesus in binding up the brokenhearted. So in the world that we live in right now, between Eden and the New Jerusalem, we are invited into this restoration of shalom. As we follow Jesus, as we draw close to God, to see things with his eyes, to get a glimpse of shalom as we turn to God, rest in him, and not rely on our own wisdom or image of peace we might have in mind because that is often simply dependent on our circumstances. Well, this, this feels peaceful. Well, this is not peace. But that's not helpful because we have a very limited perception of our reality. However, we can ask God to give us spiritual eyes to see, like we hear from Paul in his second letter to the Corinthians. <clears throat> I love, it, love the way the message puts it. So we are not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling, falling apart. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than the eye that meets the eye. The things we see now are here today gone tomorrow, but the things we can see now will last forever. But God has given us ways to experience the now, the reality of God with us. So while the shalom of Eden lies behind us and the shalom of the new Jerusalem is before us, we can experience shalom now in the midst 
of the brokenness and chaos. If we have eyes to see, if we seek the presence of God, if we follow Jesus in the restorative work he started, not only in our hearts, but in this world. And with that all in mind, let us now turn to Psalm 46 that was read earlier. It starts off, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. God is our refuge, our safe place, our shalom place. And therefore, that's why we will not fear. Shalom here is the antidote to fear. In the midst of terrible circumstances, shalom can be experienced. Why? Because God is with us. And because God is with us, shalom is with us. And fear might be present, but it cannot take over. And then the psalm continues. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells, and God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. So this verse, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. This verse echoes, is echoed in the well-known hymn, It is well with my soul, also known as When Peace Like a River written by Horatius Spafford after going through a tremendous amount of loss. And even after he wrote this, he was still going through a tremendous amount of loss. But when the time when he wrote it, it was after losing all his investments in the great Chicago fire, so the mid-1800s. And he said, then he sent his wife and his four daughters ahead on the steamship Ville du Havre on a vacation in England while he was still attending to some work-related matters. While crossing the Atlantic, the steamship was hit by an iron vessel and sank within minutes. Stafford's wife, Anna, so miraculously survived, but his four daughters died in this terrible accident at sea. And it is said that on his journey to meet up with his heartbroken wife, Stafford was inspired to write the well-known hymn when his vessel or when his vessel passed the place where the will to have sank. Shalom was experienced by him as he turned his eyes to God, no doubt sharing his deep grief and tears with Jesus, but found refuge and strength in the midst of this unbelievable loss. 
And because of the deep sense that God was with him in his incredible tragedy, he was able to go on and not be destroyed by this unimaginable loss. Stafford experienced somehow what the psalmist described as God is within her, she will not fall. God was within him, he did not fall. God will help her at break of day. God helped him at break of day. And then Psalm 46 continues. And what we see is that this almighty God who can make kingdoms fall, the earth melt, wars cease, he is no stranger to suffering as Stafford reminds himself as he's looking at the sea that swallowed his four daughters. He draws closer to God. He feels that Jesus has seen his helpless estate and ultimately was willing to shed his blood for him, for his daughters, for his wife and that Jesus was no stranger to suffering, but as a matter of fact, bore it willingly to save us all. So Shalom comes to grief-stricken Horatio Stafford as he draws close to the all-powerful God, but also all-suffering God, and he finds comfort. The loss was still incredibly real, but to that reality, Stafford, like all of us in difficult circumstances, could see the greater reality of God with us. A God who sees and a God who feels our pain. But also, a God who tirelessly works towards the restoration of Shalom. And we can get glimpses of that as we draw close to him and are reminded of his incredible power. He can make, bring the end to wars. He can break the bow and shatter the spear. And he can burn the shields with fire. So we get glimpses as we draw close to him and are reminded of his incredible power, but also with his willingness to love us where we are and to suffer for us and with us. And so then Psalm 46 concludes with God speaking. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us and the God of Jacob is our fortress. So when fear, grief, anger, anxiety are trying to take over, it is absolutely essential to be still and remind ourselves that God is God, reminding ourselves that God is with us in the mess he sees us. He feels with us our grief. 
over this messy world. Somehow, we can enter into the heart of God. The message puts it this way. Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. As I was reflecting on all this, I was reminded of an experience, of my experience with Shalom in the midst of trouble. How powerful it is to remind ourselves of the power of God with us helped me through a period in my life where I felt betrayed by what I thought were good Christian friends whom I loved deeply. And for a time, really lost my sense of calling. It actually changed the course of my life that I thought I was on. I remember literally crying out to God, and I mean tears streaming down my face as I felt the pain of a broken heart and afraid I could never love that deeply again as the pain was so great. So I searched for comfort in God's word and was led, and as a matter of fact, I remembered as stopped in my tracks at another psalm, Psalm 33. And if you know Psalm 33, it starts with praising God and worshiping him with all kinds of instruments and everything in me Everything in me said, I can do this right now. As a matter of fact, I probably said something more like, you must be kidding. Singing and praising right now? But something in me, and I would say probably was the Holy Spirit, led me to read these verses out loud. And as I was reading through the praise and then later the accounts of God's character and the things he has done, I can attest that a sense of shalom came over me in the unstoppable, seemingly unstoppable sobbing ceased. God knew I needed to connect with him, to recenter myself, to be reminded of who God is and that he sees, he cares, he loves, and he will bring justice. And his ultimate plan is to bring shalom, wholeness. And I knew he had seen my tears. So I literally experienced what is promised in this letter by Paul to the Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything. We heard it before today. <laughs> but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts 
into your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God transcended my understanding because actually to this day, I do not understand why things happened the way they did. But God guarded my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. And I would even go so far to say he mended my broken heart. A heart that I thought at the time would be broken forever. Not able to ever love deeply again. Why? Because out of fear to feel this pain again. Shalom, the sense of God's peaceful presence heals. Maybe not instantly, but over time. And finally, in the Gospel of John, we hear Jesus speaking to his disciples. As a matter of fact, speaking to all of us. Peace is something he gives. It is a gift from him through the Holy Spirit. And we pursue this gift by pursuing him. So when we hear these words, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He wants to give us this peace as a gift through the Holy Spirit. And we pursue this peace by pursuing him. I would like to leave you now with a Visio Divina exercise adapted from the article Peace in the Face of War by the before mentioned Tiffany Clark. And I invite you, first of all, to just think of a difficult situation you find yourself in, in your family, a relationship that's broken, a conflict that you don't seem to be able to get through, or at work, conflict with a colleague. Or you can also think of a disaster in this world, if you like. Have a picture of the downtown east side, hungry children in Africa, the war in Gaza. And I now just ask you to settle on the person or the situation that are connected to this picture. And now close your eyes. If you want, you can follow the instructions on the slides. But I want to invite you to visualize the person or situation on your heart until you can picture Christ there with them, with you. Now allow his gaze to become your focal point until you are more aware of his presence in the situation than the situation itself. And now ask what is on his heart for that situation or person. Listening for the longings that emerge in your own heart as his response.
And now offer these longings back to him in prayer, groaning along over the not right in his creation and asking him to make it new. Before leaving this time of prayer, rest the situation in his pierced, all-suffering, capable, all-powerful hands, taking with you only whatever cause or action or ongoing prayer he has asked you to keep carrying. And now let's move from our individual prayers to our communal prayer. So as we pray for and engage with the sufferings of God's beloved world, may we be drawn further into his own heart for it. May we move deeper into union with God for which we were all put on earth in the first place. May we experience shalom in the midst of a messy world as we draw closer to the God who is peace, whose plan is to restore peace, shalom, and help us to participate in the ways we are called to, but not carry burdens that are only God's to carry. May we live at peace with everyone, as far as it depends on us. May we be drawn, may we draw from the wisdom that comes from heaven, which is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And may we receive the peace that Jesus is offering us And let our hearts not be troubled by despair, but be not afraid, because God is with us. He is our refuge and strength, wherever we find ourselves. And he is making all things new, even if we can't see the evidence in the moment we live in. Shalom. Amen.